0: Welcome to Battered Aggie Syndrome, a podcast all about Aggie football—the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, so my name is Lee, and uh, I am not a media personality. Um, I do not have a degree in journalism. Um, it took me eight years to get to get out of A and uh, but they let me have a doctorate in veterinary medicine. So I'm a veterinarian by trade. But if you ask me what I do and you're sitting next to me on a plane, I will not tell you that I'm a vet. Ask me why, Brian. Why is that (laughs) Lee? Reason is, I, uh, well, let me just tell you this. If you were to ask me what I do and you sat next to me on a plane, and I didn't know you, I'd tell you that I'm either an animal control officer, or I'm in waste management. Because I had a lady sit next to me on a flight from L.A. to Hawaii, eight hours tell me all about her dog and I even fell asleep a couple times and she tapped me and let me know that I fell asleep and then when we got to baggage claim she came to find me and was just insistent that I meet her husband who was already in Hawaii and when I met him I uh, shook his hand and said hi and she told me oh no he can't hear you he's deaf and I thought well that makes sense if you're um you're married to somebody who can talk that much, um, being deaf is probably to your advantage. Um, and then with me here is Brian, and he is a um, mechanical engineer uh, for kind of a big company, but we're not gonna name that. And um, Brian's claim to fame is that he graduated from a and with a bachelor's in mechanical engineering in four years with a 4.0. And then he proceeded to go on and get a master's at Georgia Tech. So
1: Yes, and I would have gotten one at A&M had they had a online offering, but they didn't.
0: Well, it sounds pretty cool that you went to Georgia Tech, though, too.
1: Yeah, I don't really claim that. I don't like their uh, their uh, athletic program very much.
0: Sounds like you're well-traveled, though, that you, you don't have, um, what do they call it, the intellectual um, uh, inbreeding if you go to one university for your bachelor's, master's, and Ph.D.? Yes, I do not have that. <laughs> um, so anyway, all that said, we, uh, we have other jobs besides doing podcasts, and I'll be real honest with you, I don't even know how to um, uh, edit a uh, voice recording, so I apologize if it seems like this is a little bit of amateur hour Probably because it is, a little bit. so, um, And also, I wanted to mention that I'm pretty sure that me, Brian, and then two other good friends of ours who went to A&M uh, came up with the phrase battered Aggie syndrome. I can't remember exactly when it was, but it's probably been seven, eight, ten years ago, something like that. And we probably came up with that because we... Um, we're an undergrad during all of the Coach Fran, uh, that's Dennis Franchione, years. And uh, I think our favorite defensive coordinator during that time was, um, who was that guy?
1: Uh, Carl Torbush. Yeah,
0: Carl Torbush. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I think we got pretty used to getting our hopes up and then having those dashed. Each year, each game.
1: Yeah, at one point we had a uh, Facebook page that was devoted to firing Carl Torbush. We started it? Yeah. I
0: forgot. We probably still get on there and find it if we wanted to. I forgot. (laughs) And um, so Brian was obviously very serious in undergrad. And I was pretty serious, but maybe not quite as serious. And uh, Brian studied a lot, and he would lock me out of his room. We were roommates, and uh, I would just talk to him through the door, even with it being locked. And um, usually, he was pretty good at at ignoring me. But if I mentioned uh, Torbush, that usually got him pretty fired up, and uh, <laughs> he proceeded to have a 30 to 45 minute long conversation that he didn't have time for. So, anyway, um, these are some of our thoughts. I guess that's this is about what 16, 17. 18 years from then. Yep. So um, we're older. We're not necessarily wiser. Um, but anyway, uh, after the Missouri game this past week, uh, did you happen to catch Jimbo's press conference?
1: I did not actually get to listen to his press conference, but I did read some uh, uh, some articles that were referencing some of his quotes.
0: Did they Did they talk about how he was not happy? After that game?
1: Yeah, it seemed like uh, obviously he was happy to get out of there with the win, but uh, he was disappointed on uh, how it kind of ended. It uh, obviously started really well um, going up, uh, you know, 21 points in the first quarter. But then it just kind of went silent after that.
0: Yeah, and that, it, it's funny. I We recorded the game, and I watched it later on, and uh, I was at a, a six-year-old um, – football game uh somewhere in the metroplex but um anyway our daughter was cheering and i watched the game later but i remember people calling out the score and i thought wow this is great this is just fantastic and i guess the last score i heard was 21-0 and then whenever i started watching the game i was like well this is not really exactly what i expected but when you beat somebody in the SEC, in their own home by 21 points, you would think that you'd be pretty happy about that. And I guess probably the one positive that Jimbo said is um, he was glad that we didn't have a big letdown after such an emotional win uh, last week, and then going on the road uh, against Missouri and then playing that 11 a.m. game, which I don't really understand why everybody makes such a big deal about the 11 a.m. game, but... I guess it has a bunch of college kids that stay up till 2 a.m., but...
1: Yeah, I seem to remember a young Lee that uh, didn't like to get up on Saturday mornings in college either, <laughs> yeah. so... Uh, it's been quite some time since then, but uh, I can understand why college kids have an, have an issue with that.
0: Yeah, Ryan, you're probably the only person I know that um, took 8 o'clock classes on purpose.
1: Yeah, you gotta get up and uh, grab, grab the world by the short hairs.
0: Yeah, and... Uh, get up and you're probably also the only college kid I've ever known who got up and took a shower every morning before class.
1: Yeah, that's cuz I don't drink coffee. I don't do caffeine really, so that was uh, the shower was my wake up.
0: You're all about the business even from the get-go. Um and then did you hear that uh Antonio Johnson had 60 plus people there to watch him from East St. Louis? Is that St. Louis, the city, and he's from the eastern part? Or is that an actual city? I think it's a city.
1: Yeah, I guess I took it as being just the eastern part of St. Louis. Uh, <laughs> but it could be a separate city. I'm not really familiar with uh, with that area.
0: So let me ask you this. Do you think that Antonio Johnson is the best player on our defense? Uh, I, I don't know.
1: I would say no. I think uh, one of the defensive linemen is probably uh,
0: better, but he's obviously uh, pretty good. Like DeMarvin? Yeah. DeMarvin Leal. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I guess just watching him fly around, I don't think I've ever seen him cover a guy that he couldn't hang with. I mean, he makes tackles like nobody's business. They, I think I was noticing that they were playing him kind of at that uh, – they call it, like the jack or star or whatever position, but kind of like a linebacker or safety rolled up close to the line.
1: Yeah, depending on the formation, he could play uh, linebacker or yeah, safety.
0: Yeah. And one of the things that's crazy to me, which I talk with my wife, she's a pretty big football fan, too. Um, she comes from a long line of them. Uh, her mother's side is from pretty much the Southeastern Conference. <laughs> but, um, Anyway, I was talking to her about this, and uh, she was pretty amazed that we get so many players from out of state, uh, recruiting-wise. Have you looked into that?
1: I mean, it is uh, more obvious now that we're getting a lot of players from out of state I haven't looked into it
0: that closely. Uh, Like Tyreek Chappelle, which I don't know if that's Chappelle... As in Chappelle Show, <laughs> Chapel. I think we have to distance from a
1: Chappelle Show right now. <laughs> yeah, we can't, that's we true. can't reference that.
0: Yeah, I guess survey Netflix is pretty fired up about that. Uh, was it just one of his shows, or was it the most recent?
1: I'm not sure. I haven't followed what it was. I just know I see a bunch of stories in social media and people in uproar about something he did. I think he's always funny. Is he ever politically correct? No, but
0: uh, yeah, yeah, that's what makes it funny. Yeah. Well, anyway, Tyreek Chappelle's from, um, I believe it's Philadelphia, it's Pennsylvania, and uh, see Leon O'Neal, Damani Richardson, both Texas boys, Jalen Jones, Texas boy, um, Edron Cooper, he's out of Louisiana, uh, Andre White, linebacker, he's from somewhere in Pennsylvania as well, um, DeMarvin Leal, he's from Texas. Tyree Johnson, he's from Washington, D.C., if I remember correctly. Um, McKinley Jackson from Mississippi. Isaiah Rakes from um, New Jersey. I think Fidel, Fidel Fidel, Diggs. It's F-A-D-I-L. It's not F-I-D-E-L as in Fidel Castro. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly how to say that.
1: Any relation to uh, the other Diggs?
0: Uh, Trayvon? Yeah, Trayvon. That's a good question because... I think that Trayvon and Stephon Diggs are from, um, I'm going to have to look into that, because they're from Baltimore or somewhere there in Maryland. I was looking at that the other day.
1: Yeah. Well, if he's good as, as as Trayvon, then I think we're on to something.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, that was just kind of the defensive side of the ball that I was going into there. Yeah. But we got jay Zion uh, Harris from the state of New York, this most recent recruiting class, Elijah Judy from that same a uh, high school that Tyreek Chappelle show went to. and uh, But anyway, I, I never thought I'd see the day. Um, I mean, Texas is big enough, good enough state. You don't really need to recruit outside the state. But, I mean, how do you feel about that, that we're pulling so many recruits from outside the state? You think it's because we have a deficiency in the state or because we have a better footprint now?
1: No, I think uh, the move to the SEC and Johnny Football kind of made a and a national name, which which obviously uh, helps with the national recruiting. Uh, I also think that the move to the SEC opened the doors to some of those SEC schools to dip into the state of Texas. Yeah. Uh, which, um, you know, caused more kids from the state of Texas to leave the state, which meant we you know we also have to leave the state to be able to make up for um, the kids we're not getting from in-state.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so it's a combination of lots of things.
0: Which. I wonder, um, I guess OU and UT would say that that our recruiting got better just because we went to the SEC, which I don't know if that was a big reason for them to join the SEC. I guess it's probably all about the money. Yeah, th-
1: their, their big play is the money. I'm not sure they're really that concerned with uh, all that other stuff. It's really just uh, the money. Texas follows the money.
0: Which... I'll be curious to find out what happens to the Longhorn Network once they are being shown on the SEC Network, how that goes down. But, I mean, I guess it's all with ESPN, so.
1: It is, but, I mean, the Longhorn Network has been a disaster from the beginning. It's not quite what they uh, had hoped it would be.
0: And the way I remember it, that was one of the big Mm -hmm. reasons that we left the Big 12. And even the Big 10 would not let Ohio State, the juggernaut that they are, have their own... TV um, station and here's the Big 12 give in Texas whatever they want
1: well yeah so I mean the issue there was when the Longhorn Network was created it basically eliminated the, uh, the ability for the Big 12 to create it's own network so there was no Big 12 network uh, and that's where all these other conferences were getting uh, a lot of their money and so now uh, that put all the other schools at a disadvantage because they wouldn't be able to get the same amount of money the other schools <laughs> with the TV network would. Meanwhile, Texas had their own contract, which means they were still getting the money, um, and that did cause a lot of...
0: I would love to see how much money ESPN has lost in that whole deal over the lifetime of Longhorn Network.
1: I mean, when it was originally started, I, I was trying to figure out how, how do you fill a station with just one, one school? Yeah. And they end up, you know, replaying a bunch of stuff that nobody cares to see.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's Women's for sure. Women's volleyball. I, th- um, I think every time I flipped through there, they, they were playing the, um, the Rose Bowl with Vince Young.
1: <laughs> so it's on, on constant uh, repeat loop. Uh, once a day it gets played, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, um, going back to the Missouri game, um so the offensive line combination that they had against Alabama, which I thought was probably the best that they had played all year, we had Kenyon Green at left tackle, Blake Trainer at left guard, um Bryce Foster at center, Layden Robinson at right guard, and then uh Ruben Fathery at right tackle. And then during the Mizzou game, the center uh, right guard, Robinson, right tackle, fathery, all the same, but then they kicked Kenyon Green inside the left guard, and then they had Jameer Johnson back out at left tackle, which he might have been suspended for the Alabama game, I'm not sure, but I'll be real honest with you, I did not think that our O-line against Mizzou looked as sharp and crisp as they did against Alabama.
1: Yeah, I am I agree. I would say that running numbers don't show that, but I think that's more to do with Mizzou's running defense being one of the worst in the country. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I know uh, Jimbo was asked about it after the game on what he was doing, and uh, I'll let you...
0: Yeah, I guess he said that he wanted to try something different, and he kind of had a smirk. I don't think he winked at Owen Buchanan, but he kind of had a smirk when he said that. Um, yeah, man, I've I just hope that they can figure out a good combination going forward. And the only thing that I can think, and I think he did elaborate on it a little bit during his press conference on Monday, is I think he wanted the best group that would give him the best blocking in terms of uh, running the ball, which I'll be real honest with you. I, I think Jameer Johnson is serviceable. I think he's okay. I don't think he's any kind of a standout. And um, I think I've heard from several... Former offensive linemen uh, say it's not necessarily the best five guys that you're putting out there, but the best five guys with the most chemistry that can work as one unit. And I think at some point you've got to go or get off the pot. And all this switching around, I think, is if we're six games into the season, I think you ought to know who your starting five should be. So I'm hoping this last half of the season that, um, we go with a group, we stick with it and we get better and, uh, and we don't do all this switching around.
1: Yeah. I, I, I would say, I guess I would hope that, uh, you know, Jimbo is uh, usually pretty good at the long game and and not so worried with the, the short term, um, consequences as a result of that. And I think we, as, as uh, casual sports, uh, fans don't have all the information that's going on in the, in the background um so i guess my hope is that there's some reason that he decided to make that change uh whether that's for some sort of disciplinary reason or to send a message to the offensive line because they didn't have a good week uh at practice whatever it may be uh i'm i'm hopeful that that, that was the case and that uh, uh again he was uh he he was shooting for the long game as a, as opposed to uh you know short term gains
0: i think i think you're definitely right about the long-term, um, game plan. And I think that's one of the things that we've kind of had to adjust to from Kevin Sumlin, because Kevin Sumlin, obviously we came out of the gate hot, whether it came to the season or a specific game. And then we'd kind of fizzle out towards the end. Um, see that UCLA game that what were we up by like 40 or something? I don't know if it was 40, but it was a lot. Pretty sure Travion Williams had that, um, Pimp Kane oh, that yeah. he was dancing with on the sidelines. A little um, premature. But anyway, I think the vast majority of us would say that we appreciate that part of Jimbo, that he is looking for substance over style. And sometimes you don't um, always get the prettiest game out there. But in the long run, through a long SEC season, uh, you're better off.
1: Yeah, and I would say that, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the loss to Arkansas and, and Ole Miss, you know, he was kind of sticking to a balanced offensive attack, even though it wasn't really working that well with our past game, not uh, yeah. not really being able to do anything. Uh, but I think he understood that he needed to do that to be able to uh, execute against Alabama, and in the end it, uh, it worked out. It's Paid just a off. shame that uh, uh, those other two games, uh, we weren't able to pull it together. Yeah. Off.
0: And the, the last thing I was going to touch on in terms of um, the Missouri game was you know, the defense came away with two turnovers, and that's something that we've definitely been missing for a long time. And at this point in the season, we've got four DBs with interceptions. Um, Antonio Johnson, Damani Richardson obviously had that awesome uh, interception in the red zone or in the end zone against Alabama. Leon O'Neill, who's had a pick six, and I think a couple couple other um, interceptions, and then now Jalen Jones, too. And I wanted to mention about Jalen Jones and Tyreek Chappelle. I think that they're both really good, but I feel like they're playing them off of the receiver, kind of like the stuff that we did not like whenever— we had all those Fran years, mm-hmm. but I think that was a de- direct result from just not having the talent level. Now, I mean, in Jalen Jones, you've got a five-star guy there. I know he's big. I know he's six foot two, but I don't know. Maybe he's not as fast as what you would hope, or do you think that that's just Elko's um, scheme that he just likes to have those guys play back pretty far?
1: I think it. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's it's fully his his. Uh Scheme because I feel like we have seen um, defenders up up on the ball, but maybe with the younger defenders he uh doesn't want to put them on as much of an island uh, and as they mature he he gives them a little more uh latitude for that that sort of thing
0: that makes sense
1: but i I don't know i i I hate it when I see um a uh, you know a, a corner. Uh, that far off of the receiver, especially when it's third and four, and <laughs> our uh, our corner is seven seven yards off the ball, it just seems like it's right for an easy. Um, I wonder. First down.
0: I wonder too if we have some bias um, because we're obviously from the Metroplex and um, we grew up watching Deion Sanders with the Cowboys, and I mean even Kevin Smith was a pretty good lockdown corner. And then also the wrecking crew in the 90s. And, um, I mean, you had guys like Aaron Glenn and Ray Mickens that were just uh, shut down corners. I mean, they stuck to those guys like glue. Um, I don't know. Maybe we're spoiled in that regard.
1: Yeah, but I think, you know, if you look at the recruiting classes that he's getting, you know, he's getting top talent. Um, So our corners should be just as good as the receivers on the other side of the ball, especially against a team like Mizzou. Yeah. Um, So let your best players play and uh, it's basically one-on-one at that point and your players should be better than theirs And
0: Yeah, yeah Now, I guess the big story for this week has been um, the whole debacle with uh, Coach O Ed Orgeron at LSU and him being let go but he's finishing out the rest of the season which I've heard speculation that People think that um, Ed Orgeron has a lot of skeletons in the closet, but also LSU does, too. And so it's kind of a deal where if you don't tell anybody about our skeletons, we won't tell anybody about yours. You can have $17 million and go away at the end of the season.
1: And go live your party boy lifestyle
0: and uh, be a celebrity in uh, Louisiana for the rest of your life. I didn't I didn't even know it until this week that um, he divorced his wife right after they won the national championship. Yeah, his wife of, like, 20 years. And didn't and, she have cancer or something when he did that?
1: Oh, I don't know about that. I'm not sure. I just remember thinking,
0: what a D-bag.
1: Yeah, and then to see all the, you know, the pictures of him with uh, uh, a lot younger women. Uh, yeah. In, in pools and in a bed.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: It's pretty disturbing for someone, you know, his age. and.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, just... Just gross. I mean, it's so bad. There is such an age discrepancy there that, um, well, I won't call names, but it's, it's gross. Um, and then to see the,
1: the stories about, you know, some of the uh, sexual misconduct that, uh, may or may not have been reported to him and he failed to, uh, report up through, uh, the administration, uh, but some of the stuff is, uh, you know, really disturbing, similar to what was going on at Baylor, um, and uh, I, I think it's unacceptable. I think, uh, in general, we we uh, you know elevate football players uh, to a and coaches and coach basically anybody in that, that industry to a um, to a position where they can do no wrong, and we just turn the other cheek when they do something bad. And uh, I'm not a big fan of that. They still most of these you know kids are not going to go on and be professional football players, so you really should be teaching them to be upstanding. Uh, citizens, uh, and that is not what we're teaching them. Yeah, so they're not going to have any skills to come out when they get out of college, and that's a, a disappointment.
0: And you know, lead by example. Uh, where does that Where does that go? I mean, it, it's do as I say, not as I do. Well, you get
1: a lot of this discussion now about being a player's coach, and that basically just means that you're a bro. I mean, you got Coach Bro <laughs> in, in Arizona, right? That uh, bruh, <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever, however you want to say it. Um, and that's a big thing to be a players coach. But uh, as you mentioned, I think uh, leading by example is probably a better approach as opposed to...
0: I'll never forget when I heard somebody say Coach Bro first, and I had no idea who that was. I'm thinking Lincoln Riley, but it's it's Kingsbury, right? It is Kingsbury, yeah. I mean, you would think that I'm a little bit older than what I actually am, but um, graduated undergrad in 07. <laughs> 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 but, but nonetheless... <laughs> Um, so I guess the other part about the whole debacle at LSU is now there's a whole lot of, um, stories that are linking Jimbo to LSU and Scott Woodward. And I'll be honest with you. I think that's just ridiculous. I think the national media, especially, they just want to get things right. Sorry. They don't want to get things right. They want to get it first. And so they just put garbage out there, and if it's right, great. If it's not, they'll have a half-hearted retraction, redaction. What?
1: Yeah, I don't think they they care about it being right or wrong. They're just looking for clicks because clicks equal uh, money. Money. So yeah. They got to get something out that's you know a hot opinion, and uh, that's all they really care about.
0: Is it a retraction or a redaction?
1: I think it's a redaction.
0: Redaction? I think it is. It's not a retraction. They're not retracting that? Uh, I guess, what do you... Do you probably ask Jonathan that. Do you, retra- not, uh, do you retract an antenna? Uh,
1: you could retract an antenna, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, or um, or I guess if you had one of those Zach Morris cell phones, uh, you could have that antenna. Zach Morris. Yeah, man. Or, or one of those Nokia phones from... Uh, back in the day, uh, when we were in high school that had the little antenna that you'd have to pull out. Oh, 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 oh. So I'm like, I don't know what four inches is going to do, but I guess it makes you feel better. The one with, with, uh, the, the snake
1: game on it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. All, you know, green and black. hmm And it's so funny to, uh, so I have some high school students who come shadow at my practice and, um it's so funny when I tell them what life was like before the iPhone, they just look at me like I'm insane. Like I've got, um, four eyeballs and I don't know where some of our listeners might be, but, um, where I live right now, the mullet is apparently making a big comeback with the high school guys. Mm -hmm. And, um, I tease them every chance I get. And, tell you what, one of those things, one of the things about those mullets is you got to keep it fresh. If you let it get scraggly, that is disgusting. And I had a kid ask me a couple weeks ago, uh, so what'd your, what did, what did my hair look like when I was in high school? I said, exactly like it does right now at 36 years old. And I said, and it looked like this when I was three years old. It's never changed. Apart, brush it to one side put a little bit of stuff in there, but I don't, I, I guess I've just never felt the need to be cool, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm in a similar boat, and I will I will add that uh, I was at A&M uh, uh, beginning of the semester to, for the uh, career fair, and uh, <laughs> there was several kids that were rocking the mullet, uh, mm. In their suit, trying to get jobs. and
0: In their suit?
1: Oh, yeah. And uh, we just, you know, yeah, the other recruiters look at each other like, uh, I think I would have probably cut the mullet. But, uh, yeah. hey, they've probably been growing that out for for a while. So it wasn't worth the job to cut the mullet.
0: Have you ever had any of the students call you bruh? Uh, y- y- yeah, there are. Uh... <laughs> you had somebody trying to interview for a job. As an engineer,
1: uh-huh.
0: call you bruh.
1: Yeah, they're speaking real, real hip and yeah. Do you think it's like because? We're friends.
0: Do you think it's because he didn't understand what he was doing there, and that he's trying to be a big boy and put his uh, big boy pants on and get I, a job?
1: I think their strategy is that they think that if they come off as uh, your friend, that someone that you would like to hang out with, that I'm gonna hire them because we could hang out at work and it'd be cool.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I don't think so. It's like, you know what you're uh, you're gonna want to be going out to the bar on college night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. and um, we're at the stage of life where we're like, you know what? I got a six year old uh, football game bright and early in the morning, eight a.m mm-hmm. um, I don't need to be going out. I don't feel the need to do that. been there, done that, got a t-shirt, mm-hmm. don't need to be cool. But I was just wondering if he thought that you were so cool that you would like a bra, or he thought that you looked young enough to where you would need to be called bra. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I, what I gathered is that I think he just talked like that in general, so everybody was just a bra.
0: <laughs> so, so my wife, she's, she's an attorney, and at her firm, they, um, they have multiple attorneys uh, do interviews with uh, candidates. And um, they had somebody who just kept saying, um, "Super great! It was super cool!" And uh, she had a super fun time on her vacation. I thought that's um, not—it's not really what you want to do. But I'm pretty sure that person got hired. I'm not saying if it was a he or she, but I'm pretty sure they got hired. So,
1: um, you know, sometimes you uh, don't—you don't have a lot of options. So that may be, you know, a a negative, but they've got enough other uh, positives on their resume that uh, you give it a chance and see if you can. not Maybe when they work with some professionals for a while that you can break them of their habit of everything is super.
0: Oh, man.
1: Yeah, we had an intern once that was like that, and it was the most annoying thing in the world. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, you were worn out after you got done talking Uh, to them
0: just felt like you took a beating and you just want to tell them after every time they said it Mm -hmm. don't say that yes and i'm sure you get a whole lot of um, likes and uh, saying right that's one of the things that's my pet one of my pet peeves now is when somebody's telling me something they're making a definitive statement and then in the middle of their statement they say right
1: oh seeking your confirmation of what they've stated
0: and i'm sitting there thinking to myself are you asking me or are you telling me because they'll say it in the middle of their statement but they don't slow down long enough or look at you like they want a response they just stick it in there i'm like that is so out of place i mean i know everybody does it right does it right now
1: i will not respond to you in that in that situation i'm not (laughs) sure what to do with that
0: (laughs) but anyway that's one of my uh Deals, and then I used to be real high and mighty about saying like a hundred times. Then my wife uh, pointed out to me times that I do that. It can be be hard to
1: break habits like that.
0: I don't say it a whole lot of times in a row. I don't say like, 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 or the like, like, the double like. That that always drives me crazy. But anyway, so going back to Jimbo and LSU, um, I feel like this week... He was pretty darn sure of the fact that he does not want to leave A&M, does not want to go to LSU. And um, he, at his press conference on Monday, I'm pretty sure he said that he loves it here probably five times, all done pretty emphatically. And I know everybody talks about um, him liking being here. And I think one of the coolest things that came out of that Alabama game was, uh, I think it was like Aggie Greg 06 or something like that on Techsags, who had recommended for uh, people to get on the uh, kidsfirstfund.com and um, donate $41.38, you know, the score of the Alabama A&M game uh, to the cause. And um, I'm pretty sure towards the end of last week, it was over a hundred, close to a $100,000. And as I saw yesterday, it was about 177000 And to do something like that, I mean, we have kids, we know how important that is to, I would rather somebody not be nice to me, but be nice to my kid, um, rather than the other way around. And I think that's one of the best ways that you can love somebody well is to be kind to their kids. And I think what his uh, organization is doing in terms of trying to help these families with Fanconi anemia. And I think I read somewhere that they've donated eight and a half million dollars to the cause just from Jimbo's um, non-profit. And I think that they've increased life expectancy by maybe 10 to 12 years in that period of time as well, which is pretty cool. And that's something that I mean, we didn't know that they were about to fire at Orgeron, and we didn't do it because we're trying to keep him here. We just did that because it's the right thing to do and because we care about people. And um, I I think that's one of the small ways that you can see what Jimbo means about how he says that he likes the culture here at A&M. Yeah,
1: and I would add that I I believe his uh, wife tweeted after that conference as well that that for the record she loves it here too so between Jimbo saying that multiple times in the press conference and her saying it I I think they were you know pretty emphatic in their response that no they love it here and uh
0: uh, and there's no way if he or her think that he's on his way out that she's gonna post that because I mean why would you nobody asked specific well I'm sure people probably direct messaged her but um nobody asked and for her to be that emphatic and as anybody who's married knows happy wife happy life and so if it ain't broke don't fix it
1: now obviously you can't really trust anything a coach is saying uh, publicly during times like this because you know everything That's is true. used as a leveraging chip especially by uh, you know, a high profile um, um, agent like, like, he has, um... Who's his agent?
0: Is I don't know, it I don't Sexton? Know. Jimmy I don't, Sexton or something? I don't remember his name, but, um... And that agent kind of got him into some hot water last time LSU ke- came calling, didn't he?
1: Yeah, I think they were asking for for too much. Um, and, yeah, it didn't it didn't go well, which is, I think, another reason why just the LSU thing just doesn't make any sense. Um... So I I don't see it as being a credible uh, um, move for him. I I think that that just doesn't make sense for, for the situation.
0: Yeah. And I guess the other thing, too, I've heard some people say that there is no way Scott Woodward is much of a planner and, quote, big game hunter, as I've heard people mention, that he made that move in terms of letting Ed Orgeron go without already having somebody lined up. So, and I've also heard that he's pretty um, leak proof for his offices, which I'm not sure where that was during the last presidential uh, administration, but nonetheless. Um, So I'm curious with everything LSU has coming out on here in the future with those Title IX lawsuits, possibly some loss of scholarships and some other things, And, as all the people in Baton Rouge like to say, we can have coaches that aren't even that good, but because the soil is so fertile in Louisiana, you can still win national championships. Who do you think that they might go after next? Uh, That is a good question. Uh, I think... um, Do you like Joe Brady coming out of the NFL? You know, he's the Panthers offensive line coordinator. I mean, offensive coordinator. uh,
1: Yeah, I... uh... I, I have a hard time seeing anybody leaving the NFL for a position like that. Uh, <laughs> I know Joe Brady obviously is loved there because of what he did uh back in the national title run, but uh I I would have a hard time seeing him. Uh, the the only person maybe from the NFL that that may uh rethink it would be someone like Urban Meyer that's, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. not currently going so well in the NFL and uh he's shown that um you know, he can he can do great things at the uh the college level if you I'm leave him sh- there for a couple years he'll he'll do something great and then leave when uh all the all the skeletons pop out of the closet i'm sure uh, baton
0: rouge would love to you know have one of his bars come up and um you know he could dance with all the young ladies he wants to yeah he is uh did you see those videos it's
1: kind of gross it is kind of gross but he's always been known to be kind of a uh, shyster a shyster just from his days all the way back at utah uh, that was known about him,
0: and uh, it just followed him all the way. And his wife, I'm pretty sure, was at her... Well, she was babysitting their grandkids when all this was going on. Good grief, man. Hey. And why why didn't you travel back with your team?
1: That that That's the more odd note to me. I mean... Uh, I mean, they're both bad. They, good. They, they are bad, but, I mean, uh, you know... Married men go to bars all the time and have, uh, you know, too much to drink, and it turns into... I've seen it.
0: Make questionable decisions.
1: But the decision not to fly back with your team is an odd one, and I'm not sure I've heard a good answer on why that is. He said something like he was going to stay back and see family or something, but it didn't seem like there was any family there at the bar, so... (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, if he's related to her, we got a whole other set of issues. So... I've heard people throw around the name um, of—so I would say probably getting away from some of the previous LSU coordinators like Joe Brady, Dave Aranda, I've heard people throw around the name of uh, Lane Kiffin, James Franklin, and what a deal would that be for Lane Kiffin to go to LSU. He could have people throwing golf balls at him in Oxford and (laughs) at Neyland Stadium,
1: yeah, I, I, I do think that uh, Lane Kiffin would be interested. He's always looking for the next best thing. He, uh, he doesn't stay at one place for very long. Um, he's kind of an a urban meyer in that in that yeah. sense. Uh, there also seems to be trouble that also always trails yeah. him. Uh, so I think that, that potentially
0: what could, you, could be an option. What but. do you make of those post-game interviews that he does where he's like flirting with the camera? He he, he he makes the weirdest facial expressions. He's got
1: some weird ticks. Um, a little bit creepy. He's uh, yeah, but I, I would say the whole state of Mississippi right now has some uh, some odd coaches that uh, yeah that make uh, a television reporter uncomfortable. Um,
0: oh man, and uh, the pirate, yeah, Leach, Mike
1: Leach. Now, are they brilliant minds? Yes, but they obviously have some some odd tics and idiosyncrasies that, uh, yeah, come off as a little bit weird.
0: I was not thrilled to see Leach coming to the SEC. I mean, and then his stupid little smirk after they beat us in College Station, and he he said, I've always liked to play here. I like playing in this place. Just like, get out of here.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, obviously his... Our hatred of him goes back uh, many, many years to when, when we were yeah. in college, and we had a bunch of buddies at, at Texas Tech, and uh, they could always yeah. rub it
0: in their noses. Yeah, that was always a fun weekend whenever Tech came here or we went there. Um, but I mean, yeah, there,
1: there should be no excuse for an A&M team now to lose to a uh, Mike Leach team, though.
0: I, I concur. And um, one of the names that I haven't heard people really mention but I think should be out there is Mark Stoops with Kentucky. Kentucky, yeah. And I mean, if that guy can do that at Kentucky, um, the same school with Adolph Rupp who told uh, Bear Bryant way back when that this is never going to be a football school. If a coach in 2021 can do what he's been doing, albeit I know that they lost to Georgia recently. um, But if he can do that, uh, think about what he could do with the, quote-unquote fertile soil in Louisiana.
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, he, he's he been there for a while and, and, you know, had several runs at some pretty good teams, so uh, I'm assuming that some other schools have made a run at him. Um, so I, I guess my, uh, my assumption here is that, uh, you know, he likes it there at Kentucky, and, you know, he likes what he's built and uh, would like to continue seeing it grow, but... In the end, money talks. Money drives the, everything.
0: You know, that's one of the other things, too. So talking about this, it's a little bit on the flip side, is Billy Gillespie. He had a good thing here at A&M. Obviously, we were not a blue-blood mm-hmm. basketball school like Kentucky. But when he left went to Kentucky, I think he realized the mistake that he had made. And I remember thinking that if he had just stayed here, he could have had whatever he wanted. If he had a bad year bad couple of years you know that's fine we're we're gonna take care of you and it's almost kind of like mark stoops can have that in kentucky and i don't know if it's because i'm in the stage of life where i'm building a new practice and i'm not just trying to go to whichever clinic that has you know the most success i'm trying to make it successful where i'm at i don't understand why some of these coaches don't just say you know what? I got a good thing going here. I like being here. I'm gonna do everything I can to make it successful. I mean, you look at somebody like Bobby Bowden, Frank Beamer. Um, that's what those guys did. Yeah, and
1: I and I think if you you look at the LSU situation, obviously the last three coaches they've had have won a national championship, but they've also been fired shortly after that or decided <laughs> yeah. to leave. So, yeah,
0: lovely job security there.
1: Yeah, you know, obviously the there is the ability to reach those highs, but. If you don't stay on that plateau, you're quickly scooted out the door. Whereas you mentioned at Kentucky, uh, if he has some of those low years, they're still thankful for the years he had and aren't trying to shoo him out the, shoo him out the door quickly. So I, I, I think it's a good name, but I, I don't think he is going to want to, uh, step into that, uh, that minefield. So
0: the more I think about it, the more I hope that Scott Woodward does not hear this, which I'm sure he won't. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, just leave Mark Stoops where he's at. He's too good of a coach. And I think uh, Jimbo reminded us in one of his – I think it was his radio show a week or two ago where he said that uh, Mark Stoops was his D coordinator at Florida State for three years. So, obviously, Jimbo knows him quite well. And um, one of the other things I was going to mention is the top 25 rankings. A&M is now number 17. Are we glad about that?
1: We're never glad about that. The, the rankings <laughs> yeah. are, a, are a joke, and uh, people play way too much into them. And uh, as you, you know, every year the blue bloods basically, as soon as they win a game, uh, you know, the hype train is behind them, and they get you know escalated up up to the top. I mean, you you look at you know Clemson was you know near the top, this yeah, year without doing anything, and then they've and, had a pretty miserable year,
0: and they're not good
1: was up towards the top at the beginning and they had a couple miserable games and they
0: and we hadn't done anything
1: we hadn't done anything Um, the same you know as Texas they always win a game and all of a sudden they're back and then reality hits and they fall back to reality (laughs) Texas Uh, is back folks I mean it's it's sort of gotten to the same with the Heisman race where they just assume whoever the quarterback is at Alabama Clemson Oklahoma uh, Ohio State yeah those are going to be the the candidates and you look at the pool and you're like no
0: yeah
1: he's not a, a Heisman candidate what a joke uh Clemson what's his name
0: um you, I can't say it say you, it you can get ukulele yeah
1: ukulele uh DJ uh he was again listed up there like he's yeah. um you know the next thing and he again can't run that offense so no. we just assume they're good because they're at a blue chip school and uh are we're a highly rec- you know recruited five star but you got to let that play out before you start, you know, getting somebody a a Heisman candidate before the season starts or they've even, you know, played a game.
0: And talking about five stars, you know, if you were to just say, because Anias Smith was a three-star as a recruit and Damon Demas was a five-star, and I know Demas is still young and he's got a lot of football ahead of him, but to this point, and, and I know Anais is, I think he's a year, maybe two years older, but anyway, I, I would say that those stars don't mean a whole lot once you get on the campus. And talking about the rankings and all the Blue Bloods, man, I'll tell you what, I wish they would just wait to do the rankings until maybe four, five, six games into the season. I don't know what that would hurt. I, I don't know. I guess it would yeah, just think... be one less article that people could write. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think that the, the, basically at the same time when they you know released the first um... – Um, playoff rankings is is really about the right time. You've had some time to establish uh, teams and figure out who they are and how they play. Before that, it's just all uh, speculation, which you know, yeah. uh, if if that were the case, I guess we would just always put Alabama at the front because they have the best uh, everything. Everything. Their recruiting class is the best so they've got the best athletes at every position. But as we know, that doesn't mean everything, and those five stars aren't necessarily always true because that's a. Uh, it's they a, never pan out. How many five stars then turn into to pro bowlers is, is is a pretty low percentage. Yeah. So I I will agree that obviously if you have a larger population of five stars, your probability of hitting the home run uh, is better. Is better. So that's obviously a good thing, but just assuming that all of them are going
0: to turn into uh, the next great thing is a fallacy. Talking about five stars, I think it was the 2017 or 2018 recruiting class that Georgia had more than I think I've ever seen. I think it was like eight or nine five-star guys, and um, I mean, Georgia's been good. They're definitely a good team, but they can't get over the hump with Saban, and I guess I have a uh, would-you-rather question in here. Would you rather have Kirby Smart and his ability to recruit at the very highest level, but not be able to beat Saban? And in my opinion, he doesn't do the best job of in-game adjustments. Or would you rather have Jimbo, who's still a great recruiter, but he's not, you know, top one, two every year, um, but does a great job with in-game adjustments and has now beat Nick Saban? Um, What would you rather have?
1: So, I may pivot that question just a little bit. Um, you mentioned...
0: It's everybody's favorite word from 2020. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> pivot. <laughs> uh,
1: his, his, his ability, Kirby's uh, ability to to recruit really well, um, which is obviously a big aspect of it, but I, I think instead of the in-game management and adjustments, uh, which is obviously a big thing, I think more important is how you actually develop those players that you get in, and I think what... Yeah, Alabama has created is they bring in a lot of talent, but they also develop that talent uh, to the point where they have uh, the best uh, not only athletes, but also the best uh, trained team in the country, and that's why they always execute so well. And I think Jimbo is doing that, and that's like we talked about. He's intentional. He's not going after the short game just to to win a game. He's making sure that he's actually developing Uh, the scheme that will be the best in in the long term which again helps develop uh, these players so that they're ready for the next level and if you do that and they start seeing that these kids are turning into uh,
0: NFL talent then your recruiting class is going to take care of itself. Speaking of um, Saban and his team man I'll tell you what I'm kind of in awe of his program obviously they're good and all the recruiting classes and The results speak for themselves. But from the standpoint of he goes out and gets some pretty big names for his offensive coordinator, um, Mm -hmm. Bill O'Brien, Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin. And especially with Lane Kiffin, I thought he did a pretty good job of kind of reining him in and keeping him from doing some of those shenanigans. And, I mean, even Sarkeesian, who he and Bill O'Brien just came from the NFL, and they pretty much do things the way Nick wants it. And then on the defensive side of things – He's not going out there and getting the big name. He's promoting people from within, and in my opinion, to do either one of those is really impressive. But to do both simultaneously, and he's done it time and time again.
1: Every year, he's having to break in a new offensive defensive coordinator because somebody picks off his other guys. His other guys, and he's been able to basically adjust and yeah, uh, get those uh, not only the players but the coaches
0: to, to. you know, kind of fall under his uh, his thought process, and uh, and I've just I've just got a handful of staff at my practice, and I can see how difficult that is to train people, much less doing something like a football game, where you've, I mean, for lack of a better term, you got bullets kind of flying at you. Things are going pretty fast there, especially in the SEC.
1: I think the other thing is these uh, you know these offensive defensive coordinators are you know they they are big names already, so they do have an ego uh and so getting them to set that aside is is also pretty
0: impressive so one of the other things I was going to ask is in regards to the wrecking crew do you think that they are back and well let me just ask that do you think that the wrecking crew is back
1: I I think they've shown flashes of being you know pretty good um but I, I think the consistency is still not there when you look at the Mississippi State game that was uh a deplorable performance by uh, <laughs> by our defense. That was probably not a, a good word a t- choice. A
0: 2016 but... <laughs> uh, favorite term.
1: Yeah. Um, so I – and and then I think back to the Missouri game where, where uh, you know, they played pretty well other than that one ninety three yard drive. Um, it just seems like in every game there is one of those drives that we, we seem to give up where I, I don't know what it is if they just uh, aren't playing as tough – Uh, or the um, coordinator's not calling um, as aggressive a plays or or what it is. It always just seems like there's one or two series, and then in that Mississippi State game, it was basically the entire game where they don't play up to to what I would classify as a wrecking crew. And then other times, you know, we talked about interceptions earlier, they're doing a lot better than, you know, past defenses in in recent history. Uh, So they are doing that. But I think until they get that consistency to be able to do it, uh, every drive, uh, that's what I'm looking for before we uh, call them wrecking crew.
0: So my dad and his two brothers, they are both managers on the uh, AM football team in the mid to late '70s and early '80s, which I plan on trying to have them come on a few of these podcasts to uh, talk about how things were back in the day. <laughs> um, but I guess growing up in that kind of a family. And having watched A&M football since before I can remember, I remember seeing those defenses the RC would put together in the 90s, and those guys would just swarm. And not only did they swarm and make a tackle, they would hurt people. I mean, you think about that um, that coriot hit on uh, the TCU quarterback, where he broke his jaw, and I think about those defenses where we would have Ty Warren, Warwick Coldman, and uh, Rocky Bernard and um, Sam Adams. And I think we've got a lot of pieces right now, but I don't see that killer instinct that the wrecking crew used to have. I think we're well on our way. Um, but the other thing, too, that I don't know about is in this day and time with offenses scoring 50 plus points, can you, even if you were to transplant the wrecking crew from the 90s? to college football in 2021 if that would even work it
1: would definitely look differently and i think the other thing you mentioned um you know about them just being more aggressive uh and uh you know lighting people up in this day and age it's really not allowed they can't make those hits or they're going to be out of a, a game um which that, i think changes things a lot that's uh, so
0: true what do you think would have happened they would have just like taking Corriott out of NFL altogether if he had done that now.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think we're living in the period where they're making this transition. I think it'll be less. Uh, it'll be less of an issue with the, these kids that are growing up now, where that's always been the rule. Um, they're just used to basically form tackling and not leading with their head. But yeah, the kids that are playing now, I mean, the the college. Kids that are playing now, they grew up where they could still do all that stuff. So it's, it's a bit of a transition for them.
0: And uh, I don't know how with some of these bang-bang plays, I mean, these guys are having to make split-second decisions, probably within three-tenths or half of a second to read something, react, and then actually make their body do exactly what their brain is trying to do. That is a lot to ask somebody when you're playing in a game where people are this big and this fast.
1: Yeah, and there's also the variable of you don't know what the other is going to do. A lot of these situations you see where the, the receiver uh, will make a move that actually leads to uh, you know, the head-to-head contact. It's not yeah. really the defender's fault. There was nothing he could do, uh, but the rule is the rule,
0: and he's out of game. So that's unfortunate, but you wonder if that's the reason that the tackling just looks so bad sometimes. And I don't know. I, I won't go into that too much, but um, I guess that's probably uh, pretty good for our first episode, but um, stay tuned for uh, our next episode after the uh, South Carolina uh, game and um, follow us, subscribe, subscribe, uh, One of our best friends already promised that he would subscribe, so if we get more than two subscribers, then we know that we're on track. Thanks, guys.